You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Tuesday, April 5th. Happy rainy Tuesday here in Auburn. It has been some nasty weather around town today. Yesterday was so nice and sunny and nice spring, beautiful weather. And then today, just ugly. We had some tornado warnings earlier this morning uh, around 11, 11.30, something like that. So hopefully everybody is okay. Hopefully everybody has stayed safe through the the crazy weather that we get down here. You, you know, it'll be it'll be sunny tomorrow and uh, about 80 degrees probably. I haven't looked at the weather yet, but I that's just how it goes here in Alabama, but hopefully everybody stays safe in the pouring down rain, staying dry here in Auburn, Alabama. Appreciate everybody tuning in to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lots to talk about today if you want to call in. Phone lines are open all show long. Give me a call. Tell me what's on your mind going on in the sporting world. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, my producer, he is waiting for your call over there. So make sure you give us a call. We want to hear from you. Again, anything on your mind in the sporting world Let me hear it. I want to talk to you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Lots to talk about today, so let's dive right into it. We previewed it a lot yesterday. It was the big event going on last night in the sporting world. The national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina was, it was awesome. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable to watch for 40 minutes. And for the first 20, you really thought, oh, man, it's about to be a blowout. It's about to be – it's about to get ugly for Kansas down there in New Orleans. They were down big at the half. I mean, they were down by 15 points at the half. North Carolina in that first half just played phenomenal basketball on both ends of the floor. They were able to score at will. Kansas couldn't buy a bucket, couldn't buy a free throw. And the Jayhawks, I mean, they just looked completely out of shape, out of their norm, and they just didn't look comfortable at all. And North Carolina gave them a ton of credit. That's what they came in there and tried to do was make them uncomfortable, and that's exactly what they did. They were up 40-25 to at the half was North Carolina on this Kansas team. And coming into the second half, look, and coming into the game in general, I was I was talking about – that I liked, I liked North Carolina's offense to be the team to give in in this ball game, and that Kansas's offense was going to be the the dominant factor. But the first half was completely opposite of that. North Carolina was scoring at will, and then they were holding Kansas and not letting them score at all. I mean, there were multiple minutes of droughts for this Kansas team to where they couldn't buy a bucket, they couldn't make a field goal, couldn't knock down free throws, which they're lucky. In the end, it didn't come back to haunt them because Kansas struggled from the free throw line almost all night long. 
But after the half, it's 40-25, to 25, North Carolina on top of Kansas. Of course, we all saw it. Kansas comes roaring back using their offense, of course, the offense that I thought was going to show up for 40 minutes. They showed up for about 20, and they come roaring all the way back to score 47 points in the second half in the Kansas Jayhawks. They defeat North Carolina 72-69. to They are your 2022 college basketball national champions. And give them all the credit in the world. They came back, and I mean, in a dominant fashion. They outscored North Carolina 47-29 to in the second half to come back and win 72-69. to I'm sure, as everybody knows, this was the biggest comeback ever in the national championship game to come back and win it. They were down by 16 at one point in the first half. They were down by 16 in the first half, Kansas was. They come all the way back to win this thing, 72-69. to I'm, I'm just going to be honest. At the, the beginning of the season, middle of the season, even coming into the tournament, Kansas was not the team that I thought was going to win the title at the end of March and beginning of April this is just not the team that that I was expecting to come out of not just their own bracket, but then out of the whole bracket as you know as a whole. I really didn't see Kansas being the national champions. But that's what's so great about the tournament is no matter how good or bad you're playing coming into March Madness, it matters how you play in those six games because that's what you have to do. You have to win six games in a row to win the national championship. And Kansas did so, okay? Coming into this tournament, I talked about it yesterday. Coming into this tournament, Kansas was, I mean, you could say they were the weaker one seed, like the weakest one seed possibly, them or, or you know, or Baylor when it comes to Baylor's injuries and, and stuff like that. And Kansas, you just didn't know what team you were going to get out of this Jayhawks team you didn't know what Kansas was going to show up was it going to be the dominant Kansas that drops 80 85 points a game or was it going to be the Kansas team that got blown out by 20 plus points on their home floor to Kentucky in the middle of the season which one was going to show up and early on in the tournament Kansas did what they had to do they didn't look great didn't look terrible in their first couple of games in the NCAA tournament they beat Texas Southern their 16 seed they blew the doors off of them and then they struggled against a Creighton team out of the Big East that Kansas probably should have beaten by more but hey it's the tournament it doesn't matter right you win and you move on so they beat Kansas or excuse me they beat Creighton to move on then they have Providence the team that has been hyped up out of the Big East been playing pretty good basketball but people were kind of wondering who is this team really because they have not played the strongest of schedules and in a dogfight Kansas wins that one 66 to 61 then they have to play the reeling Miami team who has ran through their first couple of games of course beat Auburn in the second round in the round of 32 Kansas had to go up against that Miami team who had been hot offensively and hot shooting the basketball but then they cooled off and they won that game 76-50 to to get to the Final Four. They take advantage of an, of an injured Villanova team. They show their offensive dominance in that ballgame. Then they come into last night. They come out slow against North Carolina on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. But then the second half, the Hall of Famer Bill Self 
whatever he said in the locker room, whatever the mojo was, whatever the speech was about, it worked because this Kansas team came out of the locker room and they dominated all 20 minutes of that second half and they come out and win the national championship by beating North Carolina 72 to 69 is this who you thought was going to win the national championship I want to hear from you give me your breakdown of what you what you enjoyed what you didn't enjoy about this tournament and was Kansas the team that you had winning at all I'm really curious if you did and why and give us a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 because again, I'm I'm gonna be really honest, man. Kansas, I did not have them. I, I mean, I didn't even have them making the final four in most times on my brackets. So credit to them, man. They came in and uh, just just handled business. They came in and did what they had to do. And I do want to say this: North Carolina, I definitely did not have them it, making it to the national championship game. I didn't have them making it to the final four. There was a couple of instances where, sure, I had them beating Baylor at times, but I did have Baylor winning that matchup in that second round more times than not against North Carolina. But even in the instances where I had North Carolina winning that Baylor game, I didn't have them going much farther. I for sure didn't have them making the Final Four or the National Championship game. That's 100%, especially as the eight seed because – as I talked about yesterday, and the same thing I've been saying about Kansas coming into the tournament, North Carolina was sort of reeling themselves, and again, it was, well, which team are you going to get? And I know you could say that about all teams, right? You could, you definitely could make that argument about Auburn when they were coming into the tournament. What team was going to show up? We didn't feel too great about Auburn coming into the tournament, and then after their first game, we got really excited, myself included. We said, because if this team shows up every game, they have a chance to do some damage, right? Same thing for this North Carolina team. They very easily could have lost in the first or second round, could have, could have the Tar Heels, especially being the eight seed, because you have to go up against a nine seed very first game, so a good Marquette team out of the Big East. They had to play a good Marquette team, not a great Marquette team, but a good one. Right, That's a tough matchup straight off the rip in the NCAA tournament. That's not like playing a 16 or a 15, even a 14 seed where you're expected to win in the 8-9 game. That's right down the middle. I mean, I'm pretty sure the 9 seeds have won more than the 8 seeds historically in the NCAA tournament when they match up together. And so North Carolina has to start out with a tough Marquette team, but they blow the doors off of them, 95-63 to in their first round. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. They come into the Baylor game in round two. They get up big time on the number one seed Baylor Bears, but remember what happened in that ball game? They let Baylor come all the way back. They let him come all the way back in that second half, and Baylor almost won that game. They almost won that game. North Carolina almost blew it. When they had guys go out with injury, guys go out with fouls, and and they just fell apart. But somehow they were able to rally and come together and beat Baylor in that second round, 93-86. to So they were able to hold it together and move on. And then, so you start out with a tough nine seed. Then you have to play the one seed. You win that. Oh, here's your reward. The four-seeded UCLA Bruins, who were just in the Final Four last year, that's who you get to play next. And North Carolina handled their business in that one as well, 73-66. to 66. 
And then in the Elite Eight, they got the Cinderella. So I think they definitely lucked up a little bit picking up the Cinderella St. Peter's. They still had to show up and play that game because up to that point, St. Peter's had proven we can beat anybody and we're going to run with anybody and we're not scared of anybody. We may be the Peacocks, but we're ready to play and we're going to beat anybody. So North Carolina, yes, they had to show up and play that game. And yes, they had to show up and win that game and play for a full 40 minutes, no matter who it was. But they did lock up a little bit in in playing a, a 15 seed in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. I mean, that's a dream for any high seeded team, right? Because with all good Cinderella stories, it does come to an end more times than not before making it to a final four or a national championship game and you were waiting on that game to come along for this St. Peter's team so North Carolina handles business there they win by 20 they're feeling good going into the one of the biggest games in final four history North Carolina and Duke you all know the narrative that went into that game so I'm not going to discuss it because it's been talked about so much but all of the pressure that was on that matchup on first-year head coach Hubert Davis for North Carolina, and they go in there and they beat Duke. And in an all-out fist fight, they beat Duke in the Final Four to move on to the national championship game. And first-year head coach Hubert Davis had an opportunity to make absolute history. He already did, taking this team to the Final Four. But he had a chance to make even more history in winning the national championship in his first year at a program. And... We all know how the game started. A 45-20 to 20 lead at the half for North Carolina. They're feeling extremely good. They are not missing a shot. Kansas can't buy a bucket. They can't get their offense rolling. But then here comes the second half. And this is where the second half was where we really, really saw the difference in a first-year head coach of Hubert Davis and a Hall of Famer in Bill Self because – Bill Self in Kansas, they made adjustments. They made adjustments. They figured out what they had to do. They took advantage of where they had their mismatches. They figured out what worked. They figured out what didn't. And really, in the later parts of that second half, especially the last 10 minutes or so, you really saw Bill Self and Hubert Davis go head-to-head coaching and Bill Self was just was just running circles around him at times. And that's no disrespect to Hubert Davis whatsoever because the guy can obviously coach. He took this team as an eight seed who shouldn't have been anywhere near there. He took him all the way to the national championship game. The guy's going to be a legend. I'm a huge fan of him already. He's emotional. He is extremely um, visualized. You know, that's not the word I'm looking for, but he's very – you know, active when he's coaching, and I love that. And, you know, he's all about the fist pumps and jumping up and down while he's coaching, and he's he's into it, and he's talking to his players constantly. And then, you know, the, the interview after the game of him in tears just talking about his opportunity and being able to to, to be there and coach. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan, man. I really am. I respect him. I'm a huge fan of Hubert Davis now. So credit to him for doing what he did with this team But again, the difference was, and I really do think this was the difference, was coaching. It came down to Bill Self being how good he is and being the legendary Hall of Fame coach that he is. And I think he just took advantage of Hubert Davis at times when it came to drawing up plays, substituting different players in and out, getting the mismatches that he was looking for. And I think Bill Self really just just 
outcoached Hubert Davis in the last 10 or 15 minutes of that second half. But even with all of that, with North Carolina up by 15 at half, Kansas roaring all the way back, it was still a three-point ball game, and North Carolina had a chance to tie this thing up and send it to overtime. Kansas had the lead, right? They had the lead. They had the inbound pass on the sideline. And for some reason, and this was one of the only times I said to myself and questioned Bill Self's coaching strategy, why would you run an out-of-bounds play towards the sideline? Why would you do that? Because your player is running towards the out-of-bounds line, he catches the ball, takes a dribble, and he steps out of bounds with like three or four seconds left on the clock. They went and put a little bit of time. But he is literally running towards the out-of-bounds line. You give him the ball, he turns up floor, and he steps on the line. Why would you do that? Why would you not want to throw it to somewhere in the middle of the floor where the only way you get stopped is a trap or a foul? Don't throw it towards the out-of-bounds line because that's just an extra defender. That's all the out-of-bounds lines are all the way around. It's an extra defender for the defense. That's why when you see teams full-court press, they you teach the ball handlers, don't go to the corners and don't run the baseline because that's an extra defender. And you, if you're a defender, you're taught to use the baseline and use the out-of-bounds line because that's exactly what it is. It's an extra defender. And so for Kansas to run the out-of-bounds play, I understand what their thought process was. There was a gap down the sideline that they could – possibly get away and not get fouled and just end the game right there but he caught the ball turned up and stepped on the foul or not on the foul line he stepped on the out of bounds line and now North Carolina with what three and a half four seconds left whatever it was they had a legitimate chance to tie the basketball game and of course it's been broken down quite a bit the play I'm pretty sure the play was to get it to Manic the the tall bearded fella you know from from North Carolina that was the plan because he he had been carrying them on offense for a while and you could feel he had the momentum he had the mojo going and he normally does for that North Carolina team so I'm pretty sure that was the play was to get him the final shot for North Carolina to try to tie this thing up and he slipped if you see if you go back and watch the replay he slipped down on the baseline He was trying to come around from under the basket up around the corner and catch and shoot, and he slipped. And so North Carolina had to, because obviously you only had the five-second inbound, right? They had to go somewhere else and take the shot. And wasn't a bad-looking shot. Looked like it was going in for about a second or two. It was the camera angle. He airballed it, and Kansas rebounds, and that's ball game. But it's just crazy that, Kansas would run that out-of-bounds play and give North Carolina a legitimate chance to tie it up. But they miss. Kansas celebrates. Confetti runs and rolls down everywhere in New Orleans. The Kansas Jayhawks, for the second time under Bill Self, is uh, he's a national champion. Kansas, the winningest program in basketball history. They are your 2022 national champions in men's college basketball. What a fantastic tournament. It lived up to everything I wanted it to be and then some. And it was fantastic. I mean, every game was fun. All the matchups were super exciting. We had our Cinderella story in St. Peter's. There's some news about them that I will talk about a little bit later. But you have the Cinderella story and the Peacocks. You have big-time teams losing on day one and day two 
and it, it was just an awesome tournament. The, the Final Four was awesome. It was historic, legendary. Any word you want to use, it, it lived up to the hype 100%. I'm, I'm going to miss it. It's my favorite thing, so I'm going to miss it until next year, but college basketball season in the books, but there's still a lot to talk about when it comes to college basketball. The season may be over, but there's still a lot to talk about, and we're going to talk about some more stuff on the show today. So make sure you stick around. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Tuesday, April 5th on a rainy Auburn afternoon here in Auburn, Alabama. Phone lines are open. Anything you want to talk about going on in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trevor's over there waiting on your call, so make sure you hit him up. And we can talk about anything going on in the sporting world. I do want to hear from you here on the show Talking about some college basketball, just talked about the national championship game. Of course, Kansas, your 2022 national champions. They defeat North Carolina last night to win the national championship for the Kansas Jayhawks. But the news today in the college basketball world, especially related to us here in Auburn, Jabari Smith in a very touching and, and, and very well done video that he created and posted in um in relation I guess in connection with Auburn they posted it kind of at the same time uh video of him thanking Auburn thanking his his family his friends his teammates and the Auburn fans and family he has declared for excuse me he has declared for the 2022 NBA draft has Jabari Smith he is Heading to the NBA as a potential number one overall pick. He will be top three, no doubt. He will 100% be a top three draft pick. And he is still a lot of people's favorite to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. We talked about it yesterday because of Walker Kessler. He has already declared for the NBA draft. And now Jabari Smith. And I said yesterday... I said it's going to be within the next few days, I would I would imagine. And sure enough, it was this morning, this early afternoon, he has declared for the NBA draft. Uh, again, we knew this was coming, and he is uh, he is 100% making the right decision, in my opinion, for, for him to go to the NBA draft. And I want to ask you guys, are you happy to see him going to the draft? Obviously, we would love to have him back at Auburn, but are we excited to see players getting churned through Auburn and going to the NBA. I want to hear from you and hear your opinion about that. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Because I'm going to be honest with y'all. I really will. I think it's awesome to see players becoming one and dones at Auburn now. And Jabari Smith is a is a true one and done in college. He came in as one of the highest level players in the entire country came in as the highest Auburn recruit ever and now he played one year had a great year for Auburn he is your freshman of the year in the country in the conference and now he has the opportunity 
to be a one and done and go and play in the NBA and not just play in the NBA, get drafted in the NBA, get drafted high in the NBA, and also be, I mean, he's going to be the face of a franchise somewhere where he goes. He is going to be an up-and-coming superstar in the NBA with a lot of a lot of improving to do, obviously, but a lot of potential for this kid going to the NBA. So, in my opinion, I really am excited to see him going to the NBA. It would almost feel, I would feel selfish for in, in being an Auburn fan to want Jabari Smith to come back because there's nothing else he can do in college that he's not going to be able to do in the NBA and then some. I said that about Walker Kessler as well. Some guys, some guys... I think, and girls too, you know, depending on the sport, there are times where college athletes need to come back rather than going pro because sometimes they're just not ready. And sometimes there's some things in college that a player can learn and do in college that you're not going to be able to do when you get to the pros. And there's some things that you need to learn in college that you need to know before walking in the door as a professional in the NBA or the NFL because it's just like any other profession – in, you know, in the real world and outside of sports, when you move up, there's some things that they expect you to know when you get there because you're now on the highest level. It's like moving up floors in the building, in the business world, right? When you move up to the 25th floor, well, they expect you to know how to do X, Y, and Z. You may not have to do that down on 15, but you're on, you know, you're on the 25th floor now. That's how it is when it comes to college and professional ball where, there's some things that in the NBA, you know, just talking basketball specifics, there's some things in the NBA where they want you to know and they expect you to know how to do it and be able to do certain things where they're not going to teach you that because they already want you to know that. And so that's one of the one of the ways where college comes into play and where somebody needing to come back for an extra year to better themselves as a person and a player if that's what they feel they need, learning some extra things, maybe putting on some more muscle and, and that type of thing. Some players want to come back and finish their degree, and all of those things are, are, are fine. Those are perfect, and those are reasonable explanations and reasonable – you know, reasons to come back to college. But when it comes to Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith for Auburn, they're making the 100% right decision. I would feel selfish wanting these guys to come back. I do, but it's better for their lives and their careers. Go get that money. Go get paid because they deserve it. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you want to call in anything on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Did you have Kansas winning your national championship in your bracket, if you did, I want to hear you. And uh, I want you to come on here and brag a little bit. If you pick Kansas, I'm impressed because I definitely did not. And, um, of course, Jabari Smith going to the NBA. He declared for the NBA draft today. What are your reactions to that? Are you excited to see Auburn players being able to come 
to Auburn and be one and dones and, and go and be dominant forces in the NBA. So your opinion on those two things or anything else, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Of course, how they do it with every sport, as soon as the championship is won, whether it's college or professional, in any sport, ESPN is one of the best when it comes to this. As soon as it's over, they released their way too early top 25. And, of course, they did it last night with college basketball. And now that Kansas is your 2022 national champions, it's never too early to start thinking about next season and thinking about who is going to be some of the best team and teams in college basketball next year. And I was looking through it, and it's kind of shocking. It's kind of surprising. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, we're going to kind of break it down a little bit uh, during this segment, maybe the next segment as well. But the team that is the number one team in their way too early top 25, it's going to surprise you a little bit. And it did when I first read it until they talked about it and kind of broke it down a little bit. And you think, and you, you know, you look at it and you say, okay. I can understand why they would put this team at number one. And really the top three is kind of kind of wild and not teams that you would expect to be in the way too early top 25 as the one, two, and three seeded teams. So without further ado, let's look at it a little bit, break it down, talk about how these teams are ranked in the way too early top 25. And again, it's the way too early top 25 for a reason. These are what the writers at ESPN predict that these teams are going to be to start the season. This is kind of like the power rankings coming into next season. Of course, we still have a long way away until the season starts all summer long and into the fall, right? But this is looking at it at this point right now, what these teams look like going into the 2022-2023 basketball season. And Look, folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Auburn is not on here, okay? In the top 25, the way too early top 25 for next season. Oh, they are. I'm just kidding. They are. I read a different one. They are on here. Okay, interesting. Trevor's laughing at me. I read something different last night where they were not on it, but sure enough, Auburn is on this one. All right, well, I stand corrected. Auburn is on this one, so everybody don't get mad at me. Auburn is on this one. They are at 16, so we will get to that. Uh, But just to break down some of the shockers, wow, I really missed that, didn't I? I really thought... Well, I was reading through this last night, and I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, Auburn's not even on there, but I guess I just scrolled right past him or something, so I apologize. Auburn is on there. That's, I was honestly, but when I didn't see him on there, I said, you know, I kind of get it. I kind of understand because of what Auburn's losing and not knowing what's coming in. I understood that, so I'm actually interested to see what they said about it because I didn't read that part because I just completely overlooked it, but Auburn is in the way too early top 25 for next season. Um... So we'll see what they say and we'll, you know, break it down to what I think about what Auburn's going to be next season because, let's be honest, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what Auburn becomes next season uh, on the hardwood in college basketball because obviously they're losing two top-tier players, two top-level talent um, from Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith going to the NBA, but they've got talent coming in. And so we'll, we'll break all that down, you know, in a little bit, but And ESPN's way too early top 25 for college basketball. Their number one team is the Arkansas Razorbacks. And 
you know, it, it sounds weird, right? It sounds weird to say that Arkansas could be the best team in the country in college basketball because that has never happened in my lifetime, uh, you know, them being a legitimate threat in college basketball for Arkansas. But they are. They have them as the number one team in the way too early top 25 because of who they have coming back and also who they have coming in. But Arkansas, they picked up the five-star guard, Anthony Black. His commitment uh, just about a week or so ago for Arkansas really propelled them in the recruiting rankings. They have one of the best recruiting classes in in all of America, does Arkansas. And so that that commitment really put them over the top, plus whoever they have coming back, um, which is a lot. I think J.D. Note is gone. I think he is he is leaving. But they've got guys that are still going to be there. And Eric Musselman's still their head coach. He's one of the best coaches in the SEC. He has cemented that for himself over the past couple of seasons, especially this past season where Arkansas, out of the entire SEC, which was one of the best conferences all season long, they were the team to make it farther than anybody else. They were in the Elite Eight. You know, they were right there. They had to play Duke to make it to the Final Four. And again, they made it farther than any other SEC team. And so Eric Musselman has shown he is a legitimate coach in the SEC. He's a legitimate threat as a coach in the SEC. Arkansas is a team that is scary. They are good, and they're only going to get better as the years go on, especially if they continue to pull high-level recruiting classes like they are right now. Again, they have one of the best recruiting classes in all of America. Arkansas Razorbacks in basketball. I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. I mean, that's like Auburn being as good as they are in basketball because of how bad they were for so long. So I like it. I like to see that the SEC is not is not Kentucky's conference anymore. I like that. I like to see that the SEC now has teams that can go and do damage in March. Auburn, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama at times, right? I mean, they made the Sweet 16. So you have teams in the SEC now that legitimately can do damage. Florida, if they get better, right? Obviously, they're, they have some history or historical success. But as of right now, there's four teams that legitimately can beat anybody when it comes to March Madness at times. They have the top recruiting classes in the country are those four in the SEC. And so it's really awesome to see that Arkansas, out of all the teams, is not just the best in the SEC, I think, but right now in the way too early top 25, the Arkansas Razorbacks are the number one team in the country. Their projected starting lineup, and here's why it is, Nick Smith, he is the number six, he's the number six overall player in the ESPN 100 who's committed to play at Arkansas. You have Devo Davis coming back for the Razorbacks. Anthony Black, the five-star guard that I talked about, number 20 in the top 100 on ESPN. Jordan Walsh, who's number 10 in the ESPN 100. And then you have Tony coming back, who averaged 10.5 points per game last year. So Arkansas, they have... Three of their three of their projected starters are going to be top twenty players coming out of high school. So are they going to be young? Yes, absolutely. But they have got I mean, they've just got some talent to throw around. Plus, Jalen Williams is coming back, the guy who comes off the bench for Arkansas, gives them great minutes and great scoring. He is coming back. Uh they'll lose and, and they'll miss JD Note, obviously, because I think that was the fault for this Arkansas team this year was 
he was their go-to guy. He was their bucket getter, their scorer, the the man for their team, and they will lose him. But I think ultimately, I really do think this will make Arkansas better having more guys that can score, make their own offense, make shots, that type of thing. So, you know, it, it depends on how these players pan out because not every high-level recruit becomes a superstar in college basketball. That's just how it goes. But Arkansas, they have some some studs coming in to replace some guys that they're losing, and Arkansas is going to be just fine. I mean, they are going to be just fine. And it, it's exciting to see what Eric Musselman's going to do with the Razorbacks. Auburn should be – and not just Auburn, any other SEC team should be worried about Arkansas because they are going to be – they're going to be a threat for years to come in the SEC. The second team in the way too early top 25 on ESPN for college basketball, the Houston Cougars, and then the UCLA Bruins, Kansas Jayhawks, and the North Carolina Tar Heels. That wraps out your top five. So you have your two national championship teams. Then you have Houston and UCLA, two teams that fell a little bit short of their expectations this year. They still had good tournament runs, fell just a little bit short. Uh, UCLA was a four seed Houston was a five seed Houston was probably a little too low as a five seed but both teams looking to make it back to a final four they did not but they're just they are uh, for Houston they have a bunch of guys coming back and then for UCLA they also have guys coming back they have the number two player in the ESPN 100 Amari Bailey coming to play for them and I mean, they, they have a lot of skill coming back for, for the UCLA Bruins. So understandable why those two teams are ranked as they are. To round out the top 10, at number six, the Duke Blue Devils, seven, the Kentucky Wildcats, eight for the Baylor Bears, nine, the Creighton Blue Jays, and the top 10 finishes up with the Arizona Wildcats. So two teams from the SEC in the way too early top 25. And again, there's a lot that can change with these rankings we're a long way away from the start of college basketball it just ended at about midnight last night so it's early right it's extremely early we don't know how these players pan out that come into the college game throughout the summer you know we don't know where transfers are going to land there's still thousands of players in the transfer portal I talked about it yesterday there's over a thousand even bigger names have gone into the portal since then so the transfer portal is still going to be and have a major impact on these rankings before we get to the beginning of the season. So, you know, take this as you will and for what you will, you know, and and for what it's worth, I guess, uh, for lack of better wordage. But, you know, it's interesting to look and see what the writers and what the media is thinking right now as we come into the offseason for college basketball. But looking at Kentucky at number seven, of course, they have high-level recruits coming in, but they have guys coming back. Severe Wheeler's coming back. Keon Brooks is coming back. Damian Collins is coming back. So the, the biggest question for them is if Oscar Shibway goes or not. And I'm not really sure where he stands on if he's going to the NBA or not. He just won the player of the year in college basketball at Oscar Shibway. So I'm not sure if he's coming back or not. I would assume he would go to the NBA, but at the same time, he might not. He may, you know, I talked about it earlier. He may want to come back and and learn a thing or two. He may want to come back and just finish out college. Who knows? I haven't seen anything about it yet. So if you guys know something that I don't, please let me know. But as of right now, Oscar Sheboy has not made a decision. And if he comes back to Kentucky, 
I think you could see their ranking go from seven and go a lot higher than number one and or you know go higher and possibly be number one is what I meant so that decision in itself will be interesting but at the same time Kentucky they just do it every year they lose guys and they and they you know lock and load again with high level freshmen coming out of or not freshmen coming into the game but high level guys coming out of high school let's head to the phone lines 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 ed is on line one welcome in Hey, guys, how are y'all doing? Doing great, Ed. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I was telling your your uh, call screener, just trying to stay dry, man. It's, it's frog and duck weather out here. I'm telling you, it's nasty out there. Yeah. Yeah, I had to duck into the hospital just a little while ago when the, the warning came out. I was just getting back into town from Georgia. But I, I was just going to comment. One thing on the game last night, I'm so glad i was such a big kansas fan because i did not want walker kessler to go throughout his life having some of his ex-teammates you know seeing him at a you know social gathering or whatever and flashing that national championship ring you know and saying well if you just stayed with us you know but now walker's got the sec ring and they don't have a ring so you know, i'm glad for him for yeah that may sound real petty but you know to walker That'll be something for years. You yeah, know? yeah, that doesn't sound petty to me, and that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, I don't think he would have regretted coming to Auburn. He may have, in the back of his mind, you know, he probably had would have had to, and any any human would, you know, just be like, man, you know, you know, look what I missed out on. But at the same time, the way he talks about Auburn and the way he thanks Auburn, you know, declaring for the NBA draft, I don't think he would have regretted it. But look, I'll give you props, man. I I kind of agree that. In the back of his mind, he was probably like, yeah, I'm okay that they didn't win because of that factor. You bring up a good point. Yeah. You know, it's just something that, you know, you know how guys can be, you know, like oh, yeah. Ronan, I'm yeah. not talking about his, like his phone would have ran off the hook, but, you know, you had a social gathering 10 years from now and he'll still be able to smile for making the decision. But I'm real excited about, you know, the Treyor and then the uh, Kwame guy that's looking at us also Kwame I can't remember his last name the, the five star that's looking at us mm-hmm. uh, I think he's a, a, a forward uh, but uh, the other thing that I was going to just comment on was, was as far as like in in, in basketball I, I just think you can You've got to have a little bit of a core. I'm glad to see, you know, but I, what I heard is that Sheboy is probably coming back is what I heard. Now, you know, that doesn't mean he is at all. That just, you know, but uh, in the Arkansas, you know, most of their players are coming back. And they're having a dang good year, you know, recruiting. You know, Muslim's got it going, you know, there. Arkansas is a threat. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. You know, I've even seen a couple of sites that have them number one preseason. Well, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right now is on the ESPN way too early top 25. They have Arkansas at number one. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. See, I just got in my car, so I didn't hear that part of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're actually in the middle of that, um, the middle of that conversation. They are. They have Arkansas as the way too early. Uh, number one team in the country coming back just because of all the players coming back and the high-level recruits that they have. Well, well, 
what about Kentucky? Where, did they list Kentucky? or They have Kentucky at number seven. Yep, they have Kentucky okay. at number seven right now. And again, this is the way too early, so a lot of things can change. But day after the, the national team. championship, they have the Wildcats at number seven. Yeah, and where 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 uh, do they even have Auburn ranked? Uh, they have Dallas. Auburn at sixteen, behind Alabama at fifteen, and Tennessee at fourteen. Well, you know, we'll see what how it shakes out. But they had us, you know, fifth in the SEC last year, and we we saw how that wound up, didn't we? Oh yeah, so. no, there's there's no doubt. <laughs> you know, it's just there's a long way to go before the season starts. But it is interesting to look at it and see how it is. Ed, we appreciate the call. Thank you, man. And War Eagle, guys. War Eagle to you. That was Ed here on the line asking a few questions about college basketball, bringing up a great point about Walker Kessler and, you know, North Carolina bringing up the fact about if North Carolina had won the national championship, would Walker Kessler have that thought in the back of his mind of, well, maybe I should have stayed? Yeah, maybe. He may have. But honestly, at the same time, I think he would have been happy for him. I don't think he would have regretted coming to Auburn. I think he he got more playing time and got better at Auburn than he would have at North Carolina. And if he wants to build a career in the NBA, that's what it's about, not just winning championships. Um, and so to, to Ed's point, um, again, I, I think Walker Kessler, he, he really – I think he really enjoyed his time at Auburn. I think he got better at Auburn because he actually played – here. That's why he left North Carolina. He wasn't going to play there. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one. You're listening to On the Line. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Welcome back in. Just a few more minutes before we head to the three o'clock break but make sure you stick around hour number two right here on espn 106.7 in fox sports central alabama thanks to ed for calling in during the last segment still breaking down the way too early top 25 for college basketball next season and i was talking about how the ranking i looked at last night didn't have auburn in like the top 40 and i couldn't remember which one it was trevor my show producer he found it for me it was the 24 7 ranking that I was looking at last night. They don't have Auburn in their top 40, and I couldn't remember which one it was, so thank you for reminding me. Um, That's the one I looked at originally was that one. They do not have Auburn in their top 40, and, you know, part part of me understands because of what the Tigers are losing in Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler to the NBA, Devin Cambridge transferring, um you know not just not really knowing what Auburn is going to look like next year but ESPN's way too early top 25 they have Auburn at 16 of course we are breaking it down um we talked about the top 10 Arkansas the number one team in the country in the way too early top 25 Kentucky at the seven spot and the next time you see SEC teams they're in a group of three You have Tennessee at 14, Alabama at 15, and Auburn at 16. Look, it's going to be weird because Auburn, what's this team going to look like? The guards are coming back, but it's going to be up to the recruits that are coming in to really take this team to the next level. We'll talk about this a little bit more in hour number two. Make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line 
live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. And hour number two officially underway right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Hopefully you're staying safe and dry. If you're in the Auburn, Opelika area, storms have been rolling through all last night all morning and all afternoon today here in the auburn opelika area so hopefully everybody has stayed dry has stayed safe we had some tornado warnings for a little bit around 11 30 or noon but looks like it's starting to clear up a little bit outside looking out the window a little sun peeking through maybe uh looking at the weather channel not calling for any more rain maybe a little bit more tonight but and looking like it may rain tomorrow as well. Man, we can't catch a break around here. It's supposed to just rain all the time, I guess. Yeah, it looks like it's going to rain a little bit tomorrow as well. So we'll see. Baseball season is um, it's in the worst time of the year because, because of the weather. Obviously, it rains all the time. So, But, again, hopefully everybody's staying dry and safe out there today in the Auburn-Opelika area. I appreciate everybody tuning in to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open for the entire second hour of the show, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. Let's talk about it. Give me a call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you missed any of our number one of today's show, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload it immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. So make sure you search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. Let's start hour number two like we always do with making headlines, Trevor. Making headlines. So making headlines today here in hour number two, Kansas in the college basketball world, they are officially on top. They defeat North Carolina in a thriller national championship game last night, 72-69. to They come back from the biggest deficit in national championship game history by a total of 16 points. They were down by 16, Kansas was, in the first half. They were down by 15 at the half. So it was not officially the largest halftime deficit that they overcame, but they did overcome the largest deficit overall in the national championship game by 16 points. They come back and beat North Carolina 72-69. to It was a fantastic basketball game. The first half was good with North Carolina, who just played just it seemed perfect basketball in the first half. They scored 40 points. They held Kansas to 25. They did exactly what they wanted to do, what they were supposed to do when it comes to trying to beat Kansas, a team that can score the rock. And, and as they showed in the second half, they can definitely score. But Kansas, 
neither one of these teams plays just over the top, shut you down, lock you down defense. But they play well enough on defense to get it done. Obviously, they were both playing in the national championship game. But North Carolina was able to hold Kansas to 25 points in the first half. But then Bill Self, the Hall of Famer, takes his Jayhawks into the locker room, says whatever he needs to say, and whatever it was, it worked. Because the Jayhawks came out in the second half. They put 47 points on North Carolina in 20, in 20 minutes of play in that second half. They outscored the Tar Heels 47-29 to 29 in the second 20 minutes of that ball game to get the 72-69 to 69 victory. I've been asking folks, did you have Kansas winning the national championship? And if you did, why so? And you were right. I mean, obviously you were right. I want to hear from you because I did not. I did not have Kansas winning the national championship. So if you did, uh, give me a call and tell me why. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. My biggest reasoning was this team was not playing their best basketball coming into the tournament, but they figured it out along the way, did Kansas. And I think North Carolina did the exact same thing. They were not playing their best basketball coming into the tournament either, and they figured it out. And that's why you saw both teams playing in the national championship game last night. But in the end, Kansas, their adjustments really seemed to work. They figured it out in that second 20 minutes. And the biggest thing for me was the coaching head-to-head. It was Bill Self, the Hall of Famer, versus Hubert Davis, his first time being a head coach. And I think you saw that get exposed a little bit last night, especially going up against the Hall of Famer and Bill Self. I think you saw at times Bill Self outcoach Hubert Davis. And and I don't want to say outsmart Hubert Davis because I don't want to be talking bad about Davis because that's not what I mean. But when it comes to coaching, almost like he outplayed him. You know what I'm saying? He, um, Bill Self is just kind of, I mean, he's a longer tenured coach. He's a Hall of Fame head coach for a reason. He knows what he's doing, especially on X's and O's. And I think you saw that come out last night against North Carolina in that second half where it really, that's why Kansas won. Yes, they made a comeback. Yes, their players did everything right in that second half. But I think Bill Self was the difference maker for Kansas because, I mean, he's an unbelievable head coach. No matter what you think about him, no matter what may or may not be going on with NCAA violations and stuff, he is a fantastic basketball coach, and he has now won his second national title at Kansas. Um, I mean, look, Kansas was the better team. Okay, they were the better team coming into the game. They were the better team at the end of the game. They didn't play like it in the first half. And that's why you saw North Carolina jump out to a 16-point lead at one point, 15-point lead at the half. But Kansas, doing what they did in the second half, they were just the better team. And I said that yesterday. I liked Kansas to win because they are the better team. But I thought I thought it was going to be North Carolina's offense that really fell off. And I don't want to say they fell off in the second half. They still scored 29 but they did score 40 in the first half. It was really Kansas as a whole team that really just came out and just turned it on in the second half, defensively and offensively. So North Carolina did what they had to do. They scored 69 points. That's, you know, for North Carolina, that's usually good enough, right? But Kansas, when they put 47 on them in the second half, it was over. And Kansas made a huge roaring comeback, all the momentum in the world for North or for Kansas in that second half. 
and the Jayhawks come out on top to win the national championship. The stat breakdown, you know, when you look at it as a whole, it's kind of hard to do just because of how different the first half and the second half were. But if you look at it throughout the entire game, Kansas shot 44% from the field. North Carolina shot 31 and a half. But in the first half, it seemed like they couldn't miss North Carolina. In the first half, Kansas couldn't buy a bucket. They couldn't even make a layup at times. They had multiple stretches of multiple minutes on top of each other where they couldn't score a single field goal. I think at one point, from the end of the first half to the start of the second half, Kansas had like a, a you know a seven or eight minute stretch, something like that, where they had not made a single field goal. And then on the free throw line, they also struggled to knock down their free throws. I mean, Kansas was in a really bad spot for 35 or excuse me, for like 25, 30 minutes of this basketball game, really about 25 minutes uh, the first half and then the first five minutes of the second half. Kansas was in a they were in a bad spot and then they figured it out. And they were the better team, and that's why you saw them come all the way back and win this game. Um, but, you know, again, credit to North Carolina for just getting to the national championship as an eight seed. There was a time where it was in question whether they were even going to make the NCAA tournament. They did. And, you know, they get all the way there, all the way to the national championship game with first-year head coach Hubert Davis. He is an unbelievable man that I've seen, you know, and just in his interviews and how he talks and reacts to his team and his players. I love everything about it. So I wish him nothing but the best uh, at North Carolina. I think he's going to be really successful um, taking over for Roy Williams. But looking at the stats again overall throughout the game for both of these teams, three-point shooting was not anything too crazy. And I said that both of these teams, if you remember yesterday, I talked about how both of these teams in the final four, they lit it up from three. Both of them had double-digit threes in their final four matchup. I said, I would not be surprised if these two teams do not hit double digits in three-pointers made. And I know that's a lot, okay, but they did have that in the final four games, each one of them, and they didn't have it last night. Kansas, 6 of 17. North Carolina, 5 of 23. So neither team shot great from the three-point line. Free throws, again, this really surprised me that Kansas, this did not come back to bite them because a lot of teams it would have. North Carolina was 18 of 22 from the free throw line. Kansas was 8 of 14. So they out they got outscored on the free throw line by 10 from North Carolina. And Kansas, they missed six of their free throws. They only shot 14 of them. So they only shot the free throw 14 times and they missed six of them. That's not good enough most of the time to win a national championship, obviously, or even just win a basketball game. Obviously, it worked out in their, in their scenario for Kansas. But that's not a good habit to be in. That's, I mean, when you only shoot 14 free throws and you miss six of them, I mean, that's, that's more likely than not that is a recipe for disaster for a basketball team. But Kansas luckily didn't – it didn't come back to bite them uh, for the Jayhawks. Rebounds were extremely outnumbered. North Carolina 55, Kansas 35. Again, another number that was definitely heavily dominated in the first half by North Carolina and then the second half Kansas did what they had to do but still getting out rebounded by 20 rebounds that's another number if you would have shown me the free throw stat and the rebound stat and not showed me the final score I would have told you that North Carolina would have won this basketball game because 
of those two numbers right there. Yes, they didn't shoot the ball well, but if you tell me that a team gets 20 more rebounds than somebody else, they're going to have more shot attempts. They're going to have more options and more chances to score, and they did. They shot 73 shots, did North Carolina, compared to the 66 of Kansas. They just didn't knock as many down with the worst with the worst um, field goal percentage. So, you know, North Carolina in the first half, again, seemed like they could miss, but then now in the second half is where they fell off, couldn't buy a bucket on their end, and turnovers weren't a huge factor. North Carolina had 13 of them in double figures. Kansas had nine. And, and, and you know, again, the rebounding number is really what just sticks out to me. Again, 55-35 to 35 in the rebound category, North Carolina over Kansas, but the offensive rebounds, too, 24 of Kansas's rebound or excuse me North Carolina's rebounds were offensive rebounds which means they have multiple shots on offensive possessions 24 times and I understand sometimes they don't get a shot off right but more times than not when you grab the offensive rebound you have another shot attempt on that same possession and so again if you would have showed me those stats the free throw shooting the rebounds and the offensive rebounds if you would have shown me all three of those and told me and asked me who won this basketball game, I would have said North Carolina, obviously, right? But in the end, Kansas comes all the way back. They win the national championship. They are your 2022 men's NCAA tournament champions. Not who I had picked, not who I suspected to start this season, start this tournament, um, but congratulations to Kansas. They are your national champions in men's college basketball moving on and making headlines jabari smith of auburn the highest recruited freshman to ever come in to play auburn basketball he came in had a fantastic season he won freshman of the year in the conference and in the country he has officially declared for the nba he will be putting his name into the 2022 nba draft he will be a top three pick he is still the favorite to be the number one overall pick in this upcoming NBA draft so congratulations to him I'm excited to see what he does in the NBA I'm excited to see where he goes what he does and I think he will represent Auburn extremely well on whatever NBA team that he goes to I asked this question in the first hour and I want to ask it again to all of our listeners are you excited to see players like Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler go on to the NBA and see them do great things or would you rather them come back and and, and play some more I want to ask your opinion because I think there's arguments on all sides and there's different ways to look at it for each individual player program and thing like that so give me a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 I want to hear your opinion about it and just what you think about Auburn being a program where players can come and 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 propel themselves to go to the NBA because I just think it's awesome so Jabari Smith declares for the NBA draft today had a very good video put together uh, from from his highlights here at Auburn he thanked his family his friends his coaches coach Bruce Pearl his teammates the Auburn fans and the family in the jungle uh it, it was a great video if you have not seen it it is on his Instagram and Twitter, I think, and on Auburn Basketball's Instagram and Twitter. So make sure you go look at that. It, it was a great video. It was very well done, very well produced. So uh, credit to him for, for creating that and posting that. But he did declare for the NBA draft today. I'm excited for him. 
Uh, again, I think it would be selfish of me as a fan to want him to come back. Not in a bad way. I don't say that in a bad way at all. So if you think that I'm not talking bad about you, I just think that in this scenario, he has a chance to be the number one overall draft pick in the NBA. He has a chance to go make millions and millions and millions of dollars and showcase his skill and get better as a basketball player. I, I mean, you got to go. I said it about Walker Kessler, too, and he is now in the NBA or going to be in the NBA. Uh, and, and Jabari Smith is no different and more so in this scenario that when you are a projected, not just projected first round, not just projected lottery, which is top 15, he is a projected top three draft pick and the favorite to be the number one overall pick. You've got to go when that time comes. And so... Credit to Jabari Smith for all the work he's put in. Uh, myself, I think I can speak for all Auburn fans. Thank you for coming to Auburn. I know that, um, it, you know, there, he, he could have gone anywhere. I mean, Jabari Smith, let's be honest, he could have gone to play anywhere in the entire country, and he believed in Auburn and Bruce Pearl, and it worked out. They did great things. They, they made history, and now he's going to be uh, a top three draft pick in the NBA. So congratulations to him. We are excited to see where he goes and how he does. Same thing to Walker Kessler. Uh, he could have gone and played at a lot of different schools. He transferred from North Carolina, obviously. He could have gone to play at a lot of different places, but he chose Auburn as well. So uh, we are you know, extremely grateful to watch these two play at their high skill level and wish them all the best in the NBA. Uh, moving on and making headlines, it is still Masters Week. It is Tuesday of Masters Week. Tomorrow will be the final practice round and the Par 3 contest at Augusta. And the, the news around, the, around Augusta today, or especially this week, was will Tiger Woods compete in the Masters? And he played a practice round on Sunday with nobody else. And... He played a practice round yesterday, and that was the question, will Tiger Woods compete in the Masters? He said yesterday it was a game-time decision, and then they asked him again today, and he said unless something wrong goes down, he said I will be competing in this year's Masters. So that is the news out of Augusta today. Tiger Woods will be competing in the Masters. I am ex ex so excited to see him back in the Masters after such a gruesome car accident. Um, you know, I don't think any of us really thought he would be able to play golf again. I don't think he thought he could play golf again. I mean, there was legitimate concern with if he was able going to even be able to walk again after his, his horrific accident. So he is better from what we can see, and he will be competing in the Masters starting on Thursday morning. The Masters pairings have been released uh, I'll run through those maybe in a little bit. We don't have time before this break, but the, the pairings and the times have been released for Augusta uh, for the Masters starting on Thursday morning. But that's the news is that Tiger Woods, from his own words, from his own mouth, he said he will be competing in the 2022 Masters. So that's exciting news. It's awesome to see Masters and golf is better when Tiger Woods is there and playing good golf. And everybody says his swing looks really good. His accuracy looks really good. I think the thing that's going to hold him back and that has held him back over the years is walking so much. I think, you know, he has back problems. Now he still has his leg he's still trying to recover from. That's the thing he always talks about. He said, the golf is fine. He said, that's not the thing that has gotten to me. It is 
it's walking 18 holes a day and playing golf at the same time. So, you know, that's 36 holes in just two days that you have to walk and play. And, you know, if you're not a golfer, you know, it's, it's easy to think, well, all you're doing is walking. But that is a lot of walking to track around a golf course. And then, you know, you, you have the mental aspect of it. And then you have to the physicality of, of swinging every single time. And you swing so many times during a round and, and walking. And so that's what he has always been talking about the last few years. That has really put the strain on his body is, is walking during these golf tournaments. So hopefully that does not limit him or anybody else in the field. But it's great news to hear that Tiger Woods is going to be competing in this Masters. I can't wait to watch it. It's one of the best golf tournaments uh, of the entire season. So that's the news from Augusta. Tiger Woods will be competing in the 2022 Masters. And then one more headline before we head to break real quick. I thought this was interesting. We've been talking about the transfer portal and how many players are in it for college basketball. Well, the news today about college basketball transfer portal, St. Peter's, the Cinderella story, the 15 seed that made it all the way to the Elite Eight, their top three players on that team are now in the transfer portal. All three of them hit the portal this morning. Um, I don't know if it was – yeah, yeah, yeah. Trevor just said because of their coach leaving, he took the job at Saint or Seton Hall, right? He took the job at Seton Hall. So, you know, I think the players probably decided, look, I'm going to go try and play not just for another coach, but now that – they have been exposed, or I don't want to say exposed. They have exposure now. People know who they are and know that they can actually play ball and that there's some legitimate talent on that team. And the, I mean, those guys can play. And now teams know that there's some skill there. And so they believe they can probably go and play at a higher level program. So that's the news out of college basketball for the transfer portal. The top three players on St. Peter's are currently in the transfer portal as of this morning. Let's head to break. We'll come back for a few minutes before we head to the 3.30 break. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the 3.30 break. If you've missed any of today's show, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload it immediately after the show at 4 o'clock. So make sure you search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are still open, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I want to hear from you, Trevor, my producer. He will answer your call. We'll put you on the air. Anything you want to talk about going on in the sporting world, I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you want to talk about Kansas winning the national championship, Jabari going to the NBA draft, the way-too-early top 25, we've talked about it all today on, on the show. Tiger Woods and the Masters this week. If you're a golf fan, what are you looking forward to in the Masters this week? Who's your pick to win the tournament? All of that good stuff. Anything on your mind, I do want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Again, just a couple of minutes before we head to the 3.30 break. And I ended it with the last segment talking about how St. Peter's, their top three players, have entered the transfer portal in college basketball. Uh, their head coach, Trevor, reminded me, so thank you. They took, or he took the Seton Hall job. And so, you know, you, you understand why those players would want to leave and transfer and play somewhere else. Um, 
I, I talked about a yes their coach is leaving so they probably want to go play for somebody else because they probably committed to him I don't know if he will recruit them to Seton Hall I have no idea what their roster situation looks like but I think the biggest thing is these players now got some exposure through the NCAA tournament and probably understand that they could play somewhere else if they really wanted to and could probably play at a higher level program than St. Peter's. Nothing against the Peacocks because, let's face it, they made it all the way to the Elite Eight. That's better than most. That's better than most. And not saying anything, but they are a small program. I mean, their gym holds, what, 3,000 people, something like that. They're just a smaller program, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think these players from St. Peter's, they probably realize – we can go play somewhere else and go play at a bigger program, get even more exposure, possibly make a run again for a national championship with another team and maybe try to go and play in the league. So, you know, good for them. They did their thing. They went down in history as a 15 seed, making it all the way to the Elite Eight. So they will always have that to hold on to and remember and cherish for the rest of their lives, which is so cool. But they are in the transfer portal. Add that to the numbers. I mean, there's over a 1,000 college basketball players just on the men's side in the transfer portal. I mean, it's almost hard to, to keep up with because there's so many guys in the portal, and with college basketball, teams can only pick up one or two guys because that's all they have room for because there's only a certain amount of guys on the roster, and there's not very many of them. And most guys come back on these teams, and you have recruits coming out of high school and transfer portal for college basketball. That's where you go to pick up one or two players and to fill out your roster. But there's also times, like Auburn did last year, they hit the portal hard. They picked up three or four guys out of the portal and have made immediate impact. And so far on a lot of programs that we've seen around the country, when they bring in somebody in the portal – They've made immediate positive impact. I cannot think of a scenario where we've seen a team bring in somebody from the portal and it's gone really, really bad or really, really negative. We've seen guys transfer a couple times, especially in the football side of it. But I haven't, I can't remember any team bringing a guy in that was supposed to be immediate huge impact. And then they were questioning, well, why did we bring him in? That didn't turn out right. It may happen, but. Hopefully not, because that's not what the portal's supposed to be. It's supposed to help teams and help players out. Let's head to the break. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Just 30 minutes left here on the line. 30 more minutes left in the Tuesday edition of the show. If you've missed any of our show today, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. So make sure you go and find it wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines continue to be open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Anything on your mind? I posed a question earlier about Auburn basketball. And if you're excited to see players going to the NBA and excited to see Auburn at the level 
to where players can come here and expect to go to the NBA. I think that's exciting to see, but I want to know what your opinion is. Uh, or if you'd rather see guys like Jabari and Walker Kessler come back and, and play another year to improve themselves in the college game. I want to hear from you. Or anything else on your mind in the sporting world, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. So 30 minutes left of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. And I bring up this topic because we now know that Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler have declared for the NBA draft. They will not be returning to Auburn. We know that Auburn has picked up the commitment of five-star center Johan Traore, so he will be one of their replacements because he can play a four or the five right now. We have the guards. Auburn has the guards coming back. Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, Katie Johnson. They will be coming back for Auburn. And I was looking earlier in the – or I was looking at the ESPN Way Too Early Top 25. Of course, they released it last night after Kansas wins the national championship. 24-7 sports does not have Auburn ranked in the top 40, which is fine. That I mean, you know, there's reasons for that being the case. And you could definitely make that argument – But ESPN has Auburn at 16, right behind Tennessee at 14 and Alabama at 15. Their projected starting lineup for Auburn as of right now is Wendell Green, KD Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and Johan Traore. That is your projected starting lineup right now for Auburn in the 2022-2023 season. Of course, Jabari Walker, they are gone. You have Johan Traore coming in. Wendell Green, KD, and Zepp are all going to be back at the guard position. And this is saying that Zepp Jasper will lose his starting role. I'm not sure what Auburn is going to do with their guards. Of course, the rotation this year was Zepp at the one, KD at the two, and Flanagan playing the three with Wendell coming off the bench as the sixth man, he would come in and replace Zepp about four minutes into the ball game, and did. He, Wendell played more than Zepp, but Zepp was your starter. So I'm not sure what Auburn's going to do because the guards have to get better. They have a lot of skill. They have a lot of potential. They showed their upside throughout the season, but at the same time, we saw the downsides of these guards too – they also got exposed a little bit, and defense has figured out how to play them. And we saw Zepp Jasper be a little hesitant in trying to shoot the ball and trying to score at the rim. We saw Wendell Green get shut down and double teamed on an extended defense. He got shut down and was not able to do things at times. We saw KD Johnson, who comes in like a bull in a china shop at times and just comes flying in and... He's not going to pass the ball more times than not. He's going to shoot it or try to take it to the basket, try to get a foul. And, of course, that's all the bad things about these about these players, right? Those are the things that got exposed about these players late in this season. The upside to all three of those guards, KD Johnson gives you unbelievable energy. He can finish at the rim, and he put this Auburn team on his back multiple times throughout the season he won Auburn some ball games did KD Johnson Wendell Green has shown at times 
that he can shoot the basketball, that he can shoot the three and knock it down from the logo and from the half-court line or for any reason, and he can knock it down. And when he gets hot, he stays hot at times. Obviously, his shooting has been spotty, but when he's hot, he's hot, and he, he can hit from anywhere on the floor. He can also throw some dimes. He threw a lot of lobs to Walker Kessler. He's able to dish out some assists. We saw multiple seven and eight assist games from him this season. Those are the upsides for him. And then for Zeb Jasper, I really like, I like all of these guys and they all bring their own unique skill set to this basketball team. But we talked about it this year, how Zeb Jasper was almost the X factor in, in the sense of if he shows up and has a good game, then this Auburn team has a really good shot to win. And what I mean by a good game for Zeb Jasper was double-digit points and a 2-to-1 assist to turnover ratio. All three of these guys have got to figure out how to not turn the ball over. When they can figure out how to not turn the ball over and up their assist numbers, this team is going to do phenomenal things. And Zeb Jasper, for him to have a good game, I want to see him score double digits, or at least try, you know, shoot the ball 10 times in a basketball game, try to knock some shots down, take it to the lane, get fouled, go to the free throw line, or finish at the rim. That's what I want to see Zeb Jasper do. So when you talk about the three guards that are coming back for Auburn, Katie Johnson, Wendell Green Jr., and Zeb Jasper, I'm not sure what that starting rotation is going to be like between those three guards. Will it stay the same as it was this year? Maybe. Or will it be a little bit different? I'm not sure. Who do you guys want to see start for Auburn at point guard and at the two shooting guard position? Between those three, what rotation do you think will work the best for Auburn in that combination of three? I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I think that's an interesting conversation that you could have. I think you could put any two of those three on the floor at the same time and they could do their own type of damage. But I'm interested to hear what you guys think. What what rotation of those guards do you want for Auburn between KD Johnson, Wendell Green, and Zeb Jasper? And at the end of the day, it matters, but at the same time, you're going to bring in the other guy pretty consistently. We saw that with Wendell Green anyway. But I do think it matters on who starts and who's playing the majority of the minutes because that may be two separate things for this Auburn team. But moving from the guards... They do have Al, you know, Alan Flanagan as a guard, technically, but they have him playing the three in their projected starting lineup for Auburn on ESPN right now for next season, then bringing in Jalen Williams to play the four and Johan Traore to play the five. It's an interesting lineup. Um, I would really like to see if Flanagan is going to be a starter and going to get play, and get significant playing time, I'm going to have to see some improvement. I know this year was a struggle. I know that this year he came off of a horrible injury, and I understand he didn't fit with this team. Let's just be honest, he didn't. He didn't fit in with this team. Um, not, not, I'm not saying like off the court or anything like that. I'm not. I have no idea. But just on the floor and in the sense of how this team was trying to work offensively, he just didn't fit. He didn't fit the narrative, and he went from being the guy on this Auburn team to being four five or the sixth option offensively you know at times and I mean six when you know guys coming off the bench whatever he was not the go-to man anymore offensively and he showed why because at times he struggled to shoot the ball he had a very bad turnover problem for a long time and it, it you know it seemed like 
there was a stretch for Alan Flanagan and this Auburn team where when he touched the basketball, bad things happened. And, you know, it, it, and it happens, okay? It happens with basketball players. You go through stretches where you're just not playing good ball. But Alan Flanagan, I mean, take away two games this year maybe, and I just don't think he had a good season. I really don't. I don't think he had a good season. I know it was a struggle for him to come back off of that injury. And so where I'm going with this is I want to see him improve from last year to get back to what he was in the year before. And I think he can still make a big impact on this team. He's not going to be the it guy anymore. That's not his role on this in this program anymore. He needs to be somebody that when you give him the basketball, he needs to be able to put it on the floor, take it to the rim, and either get fouled or put it in. That's got to be his role. Alan Flanagan, between the legs, step back three, that's got to stop. That can't happen anymore. I like the guy. He can still be an impactful player, but an Allen Flanagan three is not what we're looking for. If you're open, transition, maybe. There may be a time for him to take a three, but working the offense for Allen Flanagan to, to, to take a step back three, that's not going to be it, and that's not how Auburn is going to win basketball games. That's not how they are going to continue to make history if that's what they want to do with Bruce Pearl at the helm. So, Alan Flanagan being in the projected starting lineup, yes, because he does have so much experience, but I'm going to have to see a lot of improvement from him offensively and ball handling. His defense is good. I mean, that's that's one thing he has been able to keep up is his defense, and that may be why he plays so much moving forward for this Auburn team because he does bring a defensive presence and a defensive effort to the floor that Auburn definitely needs because – defense just like we saw this year was one thing that really kept Auburn in the basketball game whoever they were playing against when the offense would would crap out you know so I like Alan Flanagan on the floor for defense offensively low I'm gonna have to see something change and something's gonna have to improve he's going to have to get better because next year the excuse of I'm coming off an injury and it's he wasn't saying that right he never said that so that's not what I'm saying I don't want that to come off ugly or come off the wrong way But next year, if he's the same player, at what point do you switch it up a little bit, right? At what point do you decide, okay, maybe somebody else should get some more minutes to make up for the lack of production we're getting out of this player? So I hope he gets better. I hope he gets back to what he was, and I hope that he can become a legitimate threat on this team because – the more the, the more the merrier, the more the better when it comes to Auburn having guys on the floor that are effective on both ends. And then to wrap it out, it's Jalen Williams at the four and Johan Traore at the five. So again, your projected starting lineup, according to ESPN, and they're way too early top 25 for college basketball, they have Auburn at 16 in the top 25. Their projected starting lineup, Wendell Green Jr., K.D. Johnson, Allen Flanagan, Jalen Williams, and the five-star freshman center, Johan Traore, coming in and to play the center position. Look, it's been talked about, especially from Bruce Pearl, how Jalen Williams may be the centerpiece of this team moving forward. And I'm going to be honest. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about it. If you have an opinion, I do. I want to hear what what you guys have to say 
are you comfortable with Jalen Williams being the centerpiece of this Auburn basketball team moving forward? Why or why not? I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. I'm not saying that's the definite, like, that's the definite thing that's going to be happening, but it's definitely been brought up and it has definitely brought the attention of a lot of people that Jalen Williams may be the centerpiece of this Auburn basketball team moving forward next year. And I don't know how I feel about that. I like the guy. I think he is a very good basketball player, but I see him as a role player. I do not see him, and he may improve, and he may change that, and I may be proven wrong by Jalen Williams in, in this basketball team next season. But I, when I see Jalen Williams play and I see how he fits this program, I like his role of coming off the bench, being a threat from the three-point line, bringing the energy on rebounds and on defense. His defense, you know, it, it struggles at times, but he's still pretty good on defense. But I like his three-point threat. I like his energy he brings, his rebounding, all of that. I really like what he can do. And he does have a little bit of a post presence also. He, sh- he has shown that at times, and him playing the four – He's going to have to have some post presence. He can't just step out on the three-point line and live out there on offense. Auburn's going to need him on the low block or the high post and at the free throw line to be able to put a move on somebody, a drop step and spin, a hook shot, that type of thing, or be able to dump it off to either a guard who's cutting to the lane, a guard that's on the three-point line, or even dish it off to Johan Traore for a layup, dunk, whatever it may be. That's going to have to be Jalen Williams' role on this basketball team because if he's a starter like he used to be he's gonna have to do a lot more than just shoot the three and rebound because that's not gonna be his spot anymore as a four on the floor so again I don't I don't see Auburn becoming great by building the program around Jalen Williams I'm not saying it can't happen and if they find a way to make that possible and and if it works that's fantastic there may be a way to do it but right now, I don't know what that way would be. He would have to evolve his game is what I'm trying to say. That, that is what I'm trying to get across is for Auburn, for Auburn to want to go that route of Jalen Williams being the, the face of the program, he's going to have to improve his game a little bit offensively, just become more of a threat from different spots on the floor. And then Johan Traore, number 36 in the ESPN 100, five-star center, decommitted from LSU due to all their problems going on with the NCAA. He has committed to Auburn. He will more than likely be your starting center to replace Walker Kessler on next year's Auburn basketball team. I like this kid. I like him a lot. He has a lot of potential, a lot of upside. He can do, from what I've seen, the film, the little bit of film I've seen on him from high school is he can do a little bit of everything. The one thing I'm I'm concerned about that I have I just haven't seen enough of it is his shooting ability from the outside. And I may I very well may may be wrong, and he may be able to shoot the three pretty well. I just haven't seen a whole lot out of it. Um, but I like his post presence offensively and defensively. The biggest thing for me that I like about him compared to what Auburn had with Walker Kessler, I like the fact that Johan Traore. You can give him the ball at any spot on the floor and and back off and say okay go to work go do your thing and from what I've seen that's the type of player that he is 
That's the type of player he was in high school, and that's what I want to see him become in the college game as well. I want that to be the player that Auburn runs their offense through. I want that to be the player that Auburn builds their program on next year because the difference from now, from right now, from right now, from Johan Traore coming in compared to what Auburn had with Walker Kessler, and I've talked about it already, Traore can be the go-to guy. He can be the guy where you say, I need a bucket, go get me one. He can be the Oscar Shibway or the, you know, the, the Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, right? He can be your McCormick from Kansas last night, that type of guy, or, you know, Abaji, those types of guys, the big fellas, where you can dish them the basketball and say, we need a bucket, go get one. I feel like he can be that guy. No matter where he is on the floor, I really like him to be able to do that. So Auburn right now, their projections aren't looking great for next year because we really don't know what this team's going to be like. The guards have to get better. Alan Flanagan's got to get better. Jalen Williams will need to step up in his role. I think he can do that because I still like his skill level. I still like what he can bring to this team. And then Johan Traore, I think his upside is just phenomenal, and he has a lot of potential on the Auburn basketball team. Let's head to break. We'll come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here and wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. But make sure you stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. So make sure you stay tuned for that. If you've missed any of our show today, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. So make sure you search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Just a few more minutes left of today's show. We've covered a lot today. We've talked about the national championship. Kansas is your champions. They defeat North Carolina 72-69 to last night. Jabari Smith has declared for the NBA draft along with Walker Kessler so they will not they will not be returning to Auburn next season we have talked about the ESPN way too early top 25 uh, for college basketball and comparing that one to the 24-7 sports ranking so ESPN gave Auburn a little bit more love than 24-7 sports but that's that's okay everybody's got their reasons and look ESPN had Auburn at 16, 24-7 sports didn't have Auburn inside their top 40. It's easy to look at this Auburn team and think, I mean, where do you put them when you rank them? Because how good are they going to be? I mean, yeah, they were the number one team in the country this year. Yeah, they were a two seed in the NCAA tournament, but then they lost in the second round and they lost their two best players in the NBA draft. So how good is this team going to be? You really don't know. So respect to 24-7 sports for putting Auburn where they thought and not inside the top 40. So we really just don't know what this Auburn team is going to become. But talked about that a little bit. Um, You know, had some making headlines. Tiger Woods will be competing in the Masters this week. That begins going on Thursday morning. I'm excited for that. Um, Yeah, and that's pretty much it, man. It's been a great show. We covered a lot. So make sure you search on the line to find the podcast. I'm, I'm about to go upload it, so make sure you do that. I appreciate you joining me. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. Talk to you later.